gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Please be seated. Palm Sunday. It marks the beginning of the holiest week of the year as we reenact the powerful drama of the events leading up to the crucifixion. The story of this week is in many respects an utter contradiction. It begins as we have witnessed with innocent jubilation as we join the disciples in welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem hoping with them that he is indeed the long-awaited Messiah. We wave palm fronds, we sing hosannas, we cheer the coming of Jesus into the holy city, and all because in our hearts we hope that this man, with whom we have been journeying these past few weeks of Lent, is in truth our soon-to-be king, the one whom God has called to set the world right and to heal its brokenness. But alas, no sooner does Jesus arrive in Jerusalem than do the dark clouds of violent opposition begin to form. The powers that be in Rome and Jerusalem are not interested in his message. They have no intention of yielding their authority to this so-called Prince of Peace. Indeed, they are threatened by everything he stands for. With each passing day of Holy Week, it becomes clearer and clearer that the coronation the disciples naively hope for is not going to happen, and that the nature of Jesus' divinely appointed role is very different from what his followers have in mind. And this realization gives them pause. And if we're honest, it gives us 
cause too. Are we really ready to make the sacrifices that following this Jesus seems to require? Are we actually prepared to stand up for justice and compassion, even if it means risking our own lives? I mean, it is all well and good to cheer Jesus on in the abstract, to embrace in theory his determination to bring good news to the poor, release to the captive, sight to the blind, and freedom to the oppressed. It is only when we realize that Jesus actually means these things that he has no intention of backing down from his confrontation with power, that he is prepared to give up his very life for what he believes. It is then that we swallow hard and wonder to ourselves whether we are really, truly up to following him. Like the disciples, we are tempted at this point in the story to quietly recede into the background, hoping no one will notice our absence. Many of us, I suspect, myself very much included, are far too attached to our comfortable and secure places in the world to be willing to invert a social order that so clearly benefits us just so that others might also share in God's abundance. Yet what we learn this week is that standing with Jesus means being willing to do just that, to turn everything over to him, trusting that the self-giving abundance of his love can, against all the odds, overcome the ferocity of the world's intoxication with its own power and possessiveness. In many respects, the events of Holy Week can be viewed in just this way. It is a head-on collision between Jesus' way, the way of embrace and justice, and the empire's way, the way of violence and power, as two competing modes of being in this world. And this week, we are asked to choose, and not just with our lips, but in our lives. You see, the Christian faith is unique among world religions in that we worship the victim of a murder. As the events of this week will remind us, Jesus of Nazareth is viciously put to death by a humanity deeply threatened by his determination to disrupt the social order by embracing the unloved, the unwashed, the dispossessed, and by his willingness to confront authority, not with violence, but with a peaceful resistance grounded in love. The Christian faith rests on this paradox. God's chosen one is no conquering hero. He is the crucified one, the purest and most innocent of victims, the one who lays down his life for the sake of the whole world. 
To be sure, as we will see when we get to the other side of the cross, in the events of Easter morning, Jesus turns out to be no mere martyr. Ultimately, God, in fact, will stand with and vindicate the Son, just as he stands with all victims of violence and oppression. To quote Rowan Williams, the strange truth that we learn from the events of the crucifixion and the resurrection is that it is with the victim, with the condemned, that God identifies. And it is in the company of victims, so to speak, that God is always to be found. The events of this past week in Nashville have proven again that our world remains as violent as ever. The forces of hatred and cruelty continue to gun down more and more innocent victims, even precious young schoolchildren. I remember traveling to Washington, D.C. 10 years ago during Holy Week to join a national protest against gun violence in the wake of the Sandy Hook school shootings. <coughs> All of us were convinced that the slaughter of innocent elementary school children at that Connecticut school would be a turning point in addressing America's perverse love affair with guns. But of course, it wasn't, as Nashville, once again, reminds us. Our violence continues. Badly broken human beings that we are, we never seem to learn. This is why during Holy Week, we turn toward the cross. Our salvation lies not in ourselves, but only in and through the sacrificial life of our Savior. In a relentlessly violent world, our only hope lies in turning toward the face of the crucified Christ, who stands in solidarity with all victims. It is in his face that we confront the consequences of our own sin our own complicity in the violence of the world. It is in his face that we see reflected all the harm we have done and all the harm that has been done on our behalves. And most importantly, it is only in the face of the crucified Christ that we can encounter the possibility of forgiveness and redemption offered by a God whose mercy will never permit the world's violent ways to have the last word. Now, and this is important, this is emphatically not to say that thoughts and prayers during Holy Week are enough or relieve us of the responsibility to act. By no means. Active public engagement against the forces of darkness in our world are every Christian's responsibility. And I very much hope that we, as a community, Holy Trinity, can prayerfully work together 
in the coming years, I hope, to discern how we might witness to the way of love and contribute to diffusing the violence of this world. But that said, we must not deceive ourselves into thinking that we can on our own accord do these things. It is only with God's help in Christ that we can loosen the shackles of sin that bind us and become Christ's instruments of peace in this hurting and dying world. Which is why it is always at the foot of the cross that we must begin and end. The late Frederick Buechner sums up Holy Week this way. Despair and hope. They travel the road to Jerusalem together as together they travel every road we take. Despair at what in our madness we are bringing down on our own heads and hope in the one who travels the road with us and for us and who is the only one of us who is not mad. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.